0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. We have to resist temptation. Resist temptation. So we're back in Deuteronomy 8.2 because I didn't finish the verse. Uh, But God said that I allowed this for 40 years to, uh, to humble you and test you, to prove your character, and to find out whether or not you would obey the commands. So in verse 1 now of, our, of our chapter 4 in the book of Matthew where we read, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. In order to fully identify with humans in their weakness, Jesus, like we said, was tested but prevailed on our behalf by demonstrating his reliance upon and his devotion to God so Jesus didn't have it easy either for we read that for 40 days he didn't eat any food it doesn't say that he didn't drink so we, we can't say he had no food and no drink it just said that after 40 days or as it was coming to an end he was very hungry and that's when the temptation came from from the tempter the devil now Follow with me this morning. The, the word devil or tempter in the Greek is diabolos, and it actually means false accuser. And we know that he's also referred to in Scripture as the accuser of the brethren, which are, is the family of God, the church, the accuser of the brethren. But he's referred to in our text as the tempter, which is false accuser in the Greek. And so we get to this number in the Bible in verse two forty. For 40 days, Jesus was in the wilderness fasting. And what 40 days in the Bible signifies is a period of testing or trial. It can also mean or refer to a season or an epoch uh, or a generation. 40 years in the Bible signified like there were kings who reigned for 40 years, which would equal a generation in those days. So a period of testing or trial or a season, for a season, for a period of time. And so we find that with Noah's ark, right? For 40 days it rained. It was a, a time of testing, even for him, I'm sure, as he would be in this boat with all of the animals. I could only imagine how bad it would stink. But it was a time of testing, and God had a purpose for, for sending the waters in Noah's day. Uh, but also we see it with Moses. His life can be summed up in three periods of 40 years. The first 40 years in Egypt, because he grew up there, then he spent 40 years in the wilderness, and about 80 years old, he had that vision and revelation at the burning bush, where God called him uh, to lead the people to the promised land. Periods of 40 years in his life, and I think, if my memory serves me correctly, he, he died at 120, so 40, 40, 40. And then his last 40 years living out that purpose and calling. So it's just a a period of testing that he had in between in that wilderness moment. But God is still there in those seasons. And so what we know is that for these 40 40 days for Jesus, because when he comes out of it, it propels him into his earthly ministry. So it's interesting. Such a, a high climactic point is his baptism, right? The, the, the voice from heaven comes down. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Then we see the symbol of the Holy Spirit when the dove descends. And there's Jesus. It's his baptism day. And, and I know when we do our water baptism days, it's a day of celebrating. It's a day of rejoicing. And, and it truly is. So it's, it's a high. But then Jesus goes on this fast. He's in the wilderness. It's hard. And then he's facing temptation. Isn't life oftentimes like that? We go from the mountaintop experience, and then we seem like, what happened? Because now I'm sinking fast, and it's like a roller coaster, and I'm about to hit the, the lowest of lows. And I walk through the valley, and Lord, what happened? Like, I was on top of the world, and now why do I feel like I'm at the bottom? And I want you to know... That from one mountaintop to the next, you always will find a valley. And it's just a part of life. And I also submit this. There's a scripture that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because he is with us. But here's the cool thing. Though I, what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait a minute. I could walk in a valley of shadows of death. I'm walking, I'm not dying here. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through a season or a period, and it's hard, but God is with us, and he is with us through it all. So I want you to know, you might be on the mountaintop, and that's great, and we rejoice with you. Just like Dave Spataro's announcement. Or, like Spencer, they're saying, this is a joyous time, yes, but it's hard. It's hard. We still haven't held our baby in our arms yet and it's hard but here's what we know that we are just passing through the season and we know that god is with us through it all because he's promised it to us can you say amen if you believe that so it's 40. i just had to park there for a second because oftentimes we just want the good stuff and i want you to know that to get to your next mountaintop maybe you're going to learn things through the valley That you would have never learned otherwise. So just say, okay, God, I know you're with me. Now help me through this. So when Jesus is in this season for his life and his time, just before he's about to launch into this ministry of his, the tempter shows up. Just before we get to those three things that he was uh, spoken, that the tempter spoke to him, I want to say this. If you're in the valley today, know that breakthrough is waiting for you on the other side know it and believe it. Even if you don't see it with your eyes, you need to trust God. And here's the thing. Jesus's ministry was explosive. In fact, it transformed the world all the way till we find ourselves today. But he had to face temptation. And then the, the ministry of Jesus started. So if you're here and you are facing a hard time, just trust God that what lies for you on the other side is far greater than what you're experiencing in the here and now. Your tomorrow is always better than your today with Jesus. And so I wanna examine, as we talk about resisting temptation in the time that we have left, the three things that the tempter said to Jesus. Oftentimes we look at what Jesus responded with, but I, let's consider the tactic that the devil used to, to try to tempt Jesus. And this is what we're going to try to do in the time we have left. So the devil, in, uh, in the first instance, this is what he said in verses 3 and 4, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. In the natural, we know, because Scripture said that he was hungry. It's been 40 days he didn't eat. Now, we could assume that that was the whole appealing thing, right, about... Uh, Turn these stones into loaves of bread because he's hungry. But I would also invite you to consider, firstly, the first phrase. If you are the Son of God, this is what he's calling into question. And he's saying, if it's true, show us by doing this. So it wasn't necessarily because you're so hungry. It was more a test of Jesus's nature in who he really was claiming to be because he was the Messiah he is the Messiah but he's saying if you truly are then prove it prove it so the focus is actually less on the food it's more on prove that you are who you say you are and I'm gonna invite or suggest how you can show it and so the devil was appealing to Jesus's weakness not that he is weak But he was hungry, so there was a weakness. Remember, he's trying to find a thing. But what the devil was really after was, is Jesus really the Son of God? And he was trying to tempt Jesus in that way. And Jesus responds with Scripture, and he's quoting now Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. We read 8, verse 2 before. And Jesus knew that waiting for God's provision was better than the tempter's plea to turn stones into bread. I'm going to say it again. Jesus knew that waiting for God's provision was better than the tempter's plea to turn stones into bread. In other words, trust his timing that he will know how to feed you and take care of you rather than you doing it on your own. The Bible says if the birds don't go hungry and they're wild, don't you know I will take care of you? Matthew chapter 6 Don't you know? I'm looking after you and I have your concern close to my heart. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do it. If God wants me to eat right now, he's going to provide. And later on, we'll find out how he does. And so as the son of God, he must learn as Israel had failed to learn to put first things first. So Jesus could have easily done it, but he said no. My father knows how to provide for my needs. I'm not going to take this matter into my own hands. So the emphasis is entirely on his own relationship with God. And this is what the tempter was getting at in his conversations, in his asking of these questions to him. We get to the second one. We find it in verses 5 to 7. And this is what the tempter says to him. If you are the son of God, again, what is the question? What is he calling into question to prove? If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, and he goes, you know, the angels, you could jump, and the angels will protect you and take care of you. And here's what I want to say. This wasn't a real situation. This was a created crisis. It wasn't real. There was no sense of real urgency. It's not like my son just had a car accident and I have to run, and, and, and Lord, I, I'm going to call your angels to pre- It was a made-up scenario, and Jesus said, I'm not going to get involved with that i'm not going to test god throw myself off and see if someone will you you will send your angels he goes this is a a made-up situation and we have to be careful in life that we're not making stuff up to try to attract god's attention if you call yourself a son or daughter of god you're a believer you already have his attention because a father's affection is always towards his children and so god is not going to let you fall in the way that he knows how to save you and protect you. So follow me for a second. Jesus said, this almost fell. Uh, Jesus said, I mean, he could have done it. He's God, fully God, fully man. He could have done it. But why would he listen to the devil, the tempter? Notice in scripture, because you probably have to reread this when you get home a few times. But until this point, he's just called the tempter. He's just called the tempter. And then Jesus, on the third time, finally is going to reveal and call him by his true name and tell him where to go. But we see yet again, the devil is calling into question Jesus' relationship to God. In other words, do it to silence any lingering doubts about your relationship with God. People were present at the baptism but now prove and confirm it that is is really true and so the devil here now uses scripture too because that's what he says right he says if you really are then he says jump off for the scriptures say surely he will cause his angels to take charge over you so the enemy of your soul knows god's word too he can even know how to quote it but what we need is the discernment of the holy spirit to say what is really going on here what is going on and, and i want to say one thing as we get to the last one god is the creator not the devil the devil was created by the creator but he was thrown out of heaven because he wanted glory for himself and god said i don't share my glory with anyone else so he was cast out and He has no creative ability. Did you know that? So all he does is he takes what already is created and tries to distort and pervert what it is for his own use and for his own purpose. This is all he can do. And I'm going to just go into music for a second, but I can get carried away, so I'm I'm not going to go too far in. But worship what we did at the beginning of our our service together, lifting our hands, lifting our voices and singing together, magnifying the name of Jesus. The devil doesn't like that. That's why secular music, I'm a musician at heart. I play drums, I play piano, guitar, bass, all of that. I love every style of music, but I have a problem with secular music. And yes, I listened to jazz and Dave Matthews band growing up and all of this stuff and i remember saying to my parents uh but it's just for the music and honestly i was but you know what i found myself doing as much as i love the drum parts and the lead guitar parts somehow the words of those songs were rolling off the tip of my tongue and i thought but i never tried to learn the lyrics and i never went out to learn the words of these songs some of them i began to like google them and read the lyrics and i was like oh my goodness, the story or the theme of this song is so perverse, but I thought the music was so good. And, and the Lord began to convict my heart. And he said, if you, if you love music so much, why don't you, you play your instrument for me and let that be your, your source of joy. And that's what I do. Sometimes during the week, I just get up on the drums. And to others, it might sound like I'm just making noise, but it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and the thing is this, the devil wants us to take us from this place where we worship God to where we're at a concert. This is no longer called a platform. It's a stage where there's a man who's saying, throw your hands up or however they want to do it. And people who pay money to show up are lifting their hands to a person that's on a stage. What a distorted picture of worship. And by the way, the devil was the choir director in heaven. He would awaken the dawn with music in heaven. And so I'm, I'm convinced that if he can get us to lift our hands to other people and other things in music, then he's saying, well, I'd rather them worship them than the creator. You see, he takes and he distorts. Sex is another one where you hear the word sex in church and you think, oh, it's so dirty and so perverse. No, God created it. It is good, and it is designed to bring life, and it is joy. It brings joy and pleasure as well in the context of which God created it for. And that's the key thing. But when the devil takes it and perverts it, it becomes a dirty and ugly thing. And then we have a whole industry you know, devoted to pornography. Billions of dollars are spent. Secret sin secret temptations that maybe once showed up as a temptation, but now it's just, you give in so much that it's just, a, you say, well, this is the trap. This is the addiction. That's not God's intent and God's plan for, for the gift of sex. It was designed for marriage between a husband and his wife. And so we started with music. We ended up on sex. Now we're, we're gonna get back on track. If you are the son of God, jump off. Oh, yeah, that's where we were. The devil cannot create anything. He takes, he distorts, and he perverts. He can even use scripture to deceive Christians. And it sounds like the truth, but he omits part of the truth. So it's not the whole truth. It's part truth and part lie. You want a great example? Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam, I have a whole section in my notes, and I don't know if we're going to get to it today unless you're, you're hungry for the word. And you want it, I'll give it to you, and I'll give you a good, full, home-cooked meal today that you will leave full. So give me 15 more minutes, so 12.05, and I believe we can get there. We'll get to Adam and Eve in a second. But the third thing is this, in verses 8 to 10 of Matthew 4, I will give it all to you, he's telling Jesus, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. See? Who are we to worship? God. God. We are to worship God. And it was this very dominion. Kneel down and worship me. This is what he's telling Jesus to do. And he says, and I'll give you it all. I'll I'll take all the the nations in the world. I'll give you all the kingdoms. It was this very dominion that Jesus came to contend for. This is what Jesus came to earth for. To take back whatever the devil would steal. And it would have been very tempting to avoid the fight. By compromising with the devil. Well, what fight? Well, if you remember, in a few weeks we're going to celebrate Easter. Where Jesus, on Good Friday, died on the cross for the sins of the world. You see, he could have traded it in that moment to say, Here you go, give me all the kingdoms of the world. But he had to bow down and worship the devil. That's not how it works. So Jesus, that was a very tempting one, number three for him. But he stood firm and he stood fast, and he would not give up. So he knew the the journey ahead of me is going to come at a cost. But I'm willing to do it, so I will not bend a knee to anyone else but my Father who is in heaven. You see, where Israel failed in their loyalty to God, because this is the parallel, Jesus with his temptation and Israel in the wilderness, Where Israel failed in their loyalty to God, Jesus remained loyal. And in verse 10, here it is Jesus sharply dismisses the devil, using now for the first time the name that would reveal his true purpose, because he says, Satan, get out of here. And Satan literally is the enemy of God, the enemy of God. And in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, And he will flee from you. So how do you get him to leave and to go? By resisting. By putting your foot down and saying no. It might be tempting. And I I shouldn't even say might. It will be tempting. Whatever he has to offer. Because he's not stupid. He's smart and he's crafty like that. But you have to recognize. And this is where you need the Holy Spirit inside of you. to, Like a prompt. You know like... The virus, it's like, boom, you, you can't click out till you read the prompt saying this is a potential risk. Don't click through to the next website or the link or whatever. It could be a virus. There is a prompt that comes from the Holy Spirit. And here's the beauty of it. Um, I don't know if I have it there. That's jumping ahead. Can we get there to James chapter 1? Can we get that slide up on the screen? And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. For God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. So this, it's showing us in Scripture, the progression. But it starts with temptation, but then it leads to those sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So, in other words, get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. And here in 2 Corinthians 10:13, speaking of the prompt, the temptations in your life are no different from what, what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, here is the key, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will show you a way out. You say, but it's so great. I know. But then the the way out is still even greater. But here's the thing. In that moment, you have to put your foot down. Because when you resist the devil, he will flee. And then you can walk in the spirit instead of in the flesh. And then you will find, say, Lord, thank you. You made a way. And so it's not going to be like, you know, the roof opens in your home and you see an angel coming down necessarily. It might be like at the most appropriate time, the phone rings. And whatever you're in the middle of or you're about to give into distracts from that that moment and you have to walk away. Some of you might be there and say, Oh, why does the phone have to ring right now? Why does the doorbell ring? Why does someone have to show up right now? Maybe that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit giving you a way out. But you're just upset because you're too caught up in the addictions, or in the temptations which you've been giving into, which has now become a habitual sin in your life. We need to resist the devil and everything that he will do to lure us and attract us, just like a worm on a hook and a fish, you know, thinking, I want this, not knowing that once you bite in, the hook will keep you and cost you much more than you were ever willing to pay. And that's the reality of sin. And we need to resist the devil for he will flee. Ephesians 6.11, and then we're going to get to Genesis. Ephesians 6.11, put on all of God's armor or the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Another translation says against the devil's schemes. So he's out to scheme against you. But when you put on the full armor of God, read it in Ephesians 6, you can stand firm it's not in your strength it's in his strength that you stand firm and that's how you resist the devil i want to say something because this is for some of us it's going to open up the eyes of our understanding we're doing great for time so don't worry genesis chapter one i'm going to turn there because this is the origin of sin genesis chapter one genesis chapter one turn with me real quick Verse 29, I think I put some of those on the screen, Cal. Not sure. Genesis 1, In speaking about everything God had made, let's consider what it says. Then God said, Look, uh, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all He had made, and He saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. And so God basically said, look, I've, I've given you all of this. I give you everything so that you can live, you can be satisfied, and God looked at everything he made as the creator. He has the right to stand back now and say, and it's good. It's good. It, you, some of you who cook, you, t- you look at your creation and you go, this is good. You want to blog and put it on Pinterest and you do all of that stuff or Instagram, however you do it. But it's good. And God's emphasis is on how much he has given them. How much. And then We jump to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Follow me for a second. And look what it says. Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. Who did he warn? Adam. He warned him. Check this out. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. I mean, that's enough. And he goes on to say, verse 17, "'Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, "'if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die.'" I mean, how many of you would be able to understand that simple command, yes? You can eat everything, but if you eat the fruit of this one particular tree, you will surely what? Die. So it's very clear. So why do we have death today? Because as a result of sin. Why do people, you say, why does God give people cancer? He doesn't give people cancer. God doesn't inflict sickness upon anyone. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to be healed of our sickness and our diseases. And so here's the difference. When we get to the word, it's a result of sin. Not necessarily your sin, but a result of sin. And it's been passed down from Adam all the way to you. Through my children, there is a sinful nature. In fact, I remember my son's first words were, no. I said, and it's always, don't touch, don't do this, because we have this natural bent. But here's the, the origin of it. So let's check what he says. If you eat it, you will surely die. Look at verse, sorry, chapter 3 in Genesis now. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Again, who created the serpent? The Lord. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Consider it again. Let's reread it. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So he's saying you you can't eat anything here. And she says, Oh, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And she quotes the instruction that God had given, right? True, except not entirely. Let's go back. We read it in Genesis 2.15, where the warning came. Actually, verse 16. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Let's jump back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. And she says, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. But God never said about touching it. He only addressed the eating. And you might say, Pastor John, where are you going with all of this? Well, let me, let me share with you where we're headed with that. Who was the instruction given to in Genesis 2, 16? To Adam. So it was revealed to Adam, and then Adam would have communicated to his wife, Eve, right? So she didn't receive it firsthand from God. She received it from her spouse. And I'm sure he would have possibly communicated what he heard. But here's the application for us today. This is God's word. If all you do is show up to church and you don't open up the book for yourself, how will you know what God has truly said? Not that I would ever conjure up a lie and not preach God's word. But maybe God wants to speak to you out of the volume of this book but you're not even listening you're just making up stuff and i truly believe that's how we have legalism in the church it's that we've been around so long and we've heard a lot of people say this is wrong and that is okay this is bad and uh, but this is good but when we get to the word is it really there Is it really in God's Word? I remember when my mom got saved from the Catholic Church. Um, She gave her heart to Jesus. Uh, She was about 17 years old. And she said, "Uh, we couldn't wear any skirts or dresses. I couldn't wear makeup or earrings anymore. And and there was this legalism in her day, which as a 17-year-old, I was like, Mom, what did you look like going out with no makeup on? How did you make it? She goes, I would sneak out of the house and I would wear, you know, whatever. And then I would put my, my other clothes on and my dad didn't know. And she said, once I got caught and I got strapped for it. And then today it's like it's a non-issue. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change my relationship with God. But that's how legalism is born in the church. And we have to be careful that we don't take legalism and turn it into gospel and doctrine. And I say all that to say this, know the the revealed word of God right here. Don't just listen to a preacher or a podcast. Know God's word for yourself. This is how God revealed it. It's accessible to everyone and available. And some of us don't even pick it up. And some of us just say, well, I'll hear the message and that I get filled up and that gives me enough for the week. But God wants to communicate to you. And listen, Jesus, when he was tempted or tested, what did he say? It is written in the word of God. If you don't even know the revealed word of God, which is given to you, or you can go and buy it or download it in an app today, how will you fight the devil? How will you know? Did God really say? Because if, if, if your tempter would come your way, and say, did God really say you have to go to church? Really? Like, do you have to go every Sunday? Did, did, and you have no answer because you don't know that God's word says he commands a blessing when we dwell together in unity. And, or not to forsake the gathering of the brethren. God wants to do things through his church, but we have to be here. We have to be willing to show up and be the church. And so here's the thing. Know God's word for yourself. I love preaching God's word. I'm passionate about it. And I pray you it comes across that way every time we gather. But here's the thing. You need to be passionate about his word. You need to know God's word for yourself because I'm not with you in the 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. I'm not with you. His Holy Spirit is. But if you know the word, this is the power of having his Holy Spirit and the word is you, you don't even have your Bible while you're at work, perhaps. But as you're going about and something happens, someone comes to you, asks you for advice, wisdom the Holy Spirit brings back to remembrance and like as you open up your mouth you weren't even ready to say all these scriptures but they just come out I know some of you have that that experience it happens with me all the time I'm like wow where did that scripture come out from my memory because it's in my heart even if I read it a month ago it's still the Holy Spirit is able to recall it in my memory sometimes and and at the right time I'm able to use it for his glory so listen Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But he gives us a powerful tool called the Word of God. And see, Eve didn't know it for herself. It was communicated by her spouse. Today we have no excuse because we have God's Word and we have His Holy Spirit. That's why I wanted to get into Genesis because I know that some of us need to hear that. Would you stand with me to your feet as we close? 12.06, I was one minute over. I humbly ask for your forgiveness, not really, Um, but I I humbly approach every time we gather. I, I believe with all of my heart that God wants to accomplish his work in your heart. And today, if you struggle with temptation, my prayer as we close today is that you struggle no more. But you would resolve and take a firm stand against the devil. In verse 11 of Matthew 4, and we close with this. Jesus said, Satan, get out of here. He called him who he is now by his name. Then it says that angels came and ministered to him. That was God's timing for provision. What that actually means is... Those angels that God sent to minister were likely giving him the provision of food that he was actually hungry for. Take, it's not that he was emotionally hurt by the, by the devil. He took authority over him. But the hunger in him now, he was, he was ministered to. The provision was brought. But it, it was in God's timing, not in his own ability or responsibility to, to do what the devil said he had to do in that moment at that time. God will take care of you as you yield your life to him. And as you continually walk in obedience and say no to temptation. Temptation is not sin, but when we ponder it enough and we consider it enough, it becomes tempting enough. We desire those things enough. We begin to give in to them. So my prayer is the prompt would come and and it would be like quick in your spirit and you would resolve to say no to the devil. And yes to God. Yes to His Spirit as He would lead you. That is how you live the victorious life. Greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for our our gathering today. Lord, I know that people are leaving here encouraged by your word, by the the word of testimony from Lena and Dave Spataro. And Lord, we also stand together as a church for Spencer and Ashley and their baby Silas. God, as they're in the hospital, we pray for a mighty miracle of God to touch that baby. Father, we pray for his broken shoulder. Father, that the the healing would be quick. And Father, for whatever respiratory issue the baby has, Father, I pray that you would touch his body touch the lungs. Lord, let the oxygen flow as it should. Let the breathing be regulated in Jesus' name. And let us see a turnaround today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, it is good to be together in the house of the Lord. We thank you for your word. May we leave knowing that we are strengthened in you, that we can resist the devil and he has to flee in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we do thank you that you've given us the name that is above everything name that at the mention of his name everything in heaven on earth and under the earth has to bow and so father there's nothing that can can come against us that the name of Jesus cannot crush and so father we thank you that we have overwhelming victory when we place our trust and our lives in your care and so God as we go now into our week Lord this is where ministry starts this is where we be the church wherever we go shining the light of christ so father thank you that we can live a victorious life because of what jesus accomplished for us on the cross so now we go not in our own strength but in the strength of your son jesus and by the power of your holy spirit in jesus name we pray amen now may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of his holy spirit accompany us on our way in jesus name amen god bless you Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.